Welcome back to part two of the interview with Ben Pigeon, Executive Director at Vision Tech Partners. We heard about his personal path and how it's not always a straight one, but it might just be luck. He loves being a part of the process to help startups obtain capital to grow and become successful. Join us now as he continues to bring light to some of the important aspects of finding great companies from deal flow and due diligence, his oxygen, aspirin, and jewelry analogy, and the hipster, hacker, and huckster. He shares a couple investment disasters averted and the two evaluation methods, either top-down or bottom-up. And we'll hear the story about how you make a yurder dance. Thanks for being here and enjoy part two of our discussion with Ben Pigeon. What's what's the percentage? Fifty percent. It's, a, so it's actually over that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, well, so the the numbers usually break down this way. Fifty percent should go to zero. So, so if you were doing it on your own and you were in one, the likelihood that you would go to zero is really, really high. high. Yeah. And you and you actually, if if you're looking at a lot of deals and only pick one, your probability of seeing the next big deal and not investing in it yep. is significant. Yes. So. Yeah. So the, the way the math usually breaks out is if, if you've got 10 companies, 50% go to zero. So five should just write off. Another three should should probably get you anywhere from one to two return on your money. Meaning one to two means if you put in 20. You get 21 back. Right. Or 25 back. Or, no, no. You get you get the 20 plus. So, sorry. No, one, at one, one time X, return gets you your money back. It just gets your money back. Yeah. So you put it in there, it doesn't grow at all. You go wait for five years, and then they give you your, the same amount you invested back. And we talked to you and I, uh, Ben, talked about the fact that the stock market, long haul, everything together is about 10% a yep. year. So you've essentially put your money in and lost five years of 10%. Yeah. And so you're saying half of them go to zero. Three, the next three or 30% should be about a one to two X. One to two X. So you get your money back or maybe you get a little bit more. Yes. uh, Or somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not always perfect math like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then the last, you know, one or two that are standing are the ones that provide you the overall returns that justify the entire portfolio. Um, And so that's a fancy way of saying that (laughs) those one or two will crush it. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Which all 10 that you invested in with the five going bad, the two or three that just kind of eh, didn't really do anything. They will make the entire return to be that 20%. 20, 22 to, <laughs> like to, to 27%. To 27%. IRR. IRR. Internal Arr. rate of return. Yes. But... <laughs> Well, so like we say, every one of our deals needs to have a potential for a 10x return or we can't invest in it. You can't invest in a bunch of deals that have a potential of 2x and then don't perform that well. Yep. You got to have the one winner. And so that's why shortly after Ben got there and we were doing all the statistical, you know, re- reading the reports and doing the analysis, the Sigma. Yep. <laughs> bell curves, blah, blah, blah. You sound smarter, but... Uh... Yeah, I went to Ball State. <laughs> but so what we did is we changed it, uh, and that was what the, the industry was saying, is you got to get a portfolio of 20, and that brings your likelihood of having one of those be a 10x or more, goes goes up in the 90% range. Of course, it depends on your, your filtering and, and selection stuff, yeah, but, so but then that makes that whole portfolio work. All, right? all of the companies that pass through the filter have to have a really good management team, a large market, and a product that can create value. So that makes complete sense. So you got people that are running the show. If they're crappy, it's not going to go anywhere. We all know a good coach is 
kind of more difficult to find. But if you don't have a good coach, that's a bad thing. And the market needs to be big enough because if you're selling to three people, how are you going to make any money, right? Mm -hmm. But once you get through the due diligence of looking at the big market, what'd you say else? The um, management the management team, team. and you guys, I think you guys have spent a lot spent a lot of time evaluating the management team, uh, and then the third category is product. Product. So you got to have something that actually works, right? And, yeah, and so I, I, on the management team, I, let me dive into each one of those topics a little bit more. The management team, we look for the hipster, the hacker, and the hustler. The hipster, the hacker, and the hustler. Okay. Hustle, now I'm baby. interested. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. Hustle, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear this thing. Oh, that, was, that, that, was cue, cue that wasn't that ballroom dancing back. No. Oh, hey. Do no. the mambo. Yeah. I don't even know the music <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to splice in some music right now, right? Uh, yeah, well, I guess we could. Yeah, go ahead, man. If you start uh, moving those hips, We're gonna the swivel splice, hips. We need to splice in Ben dancing. Do you have a video of that? I would oh, yeah. love to like I this. I do. Oh, look at my phone. Dude, send it to me. Then. Yeah, oh, we'll put I don't, it. We'll I don't put know it what you're going to do with you. it, though. <laughs> oh, <you're, laughs> I'm not going to give it to Congress, but I will put it out on the internet. <laughs> uh, the hipster is hipster the, the hacker and the who hustler. Hustler. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, the Sorry. hipster. Hipster is the one that's got the idea. They're they're going to be the one that this is this is how we're going to change the world. Gotcha. This is what I know about it. Your hackler hacker is your your uh, programmer. The okay. the one that gets stuff done. The operations guy or gotcha. gal. And then the hustler. Any idea what the hustler is? He sells a big story, but has fluff in it. Sales. He sales. There you go. So, at which one do you like? Is there one you like? At, well, at certain stages, <laughs> I would say the hacker the, is the my hacker. Per preference. Yeah. But go ahead. Uh, certain stages, one guy's wearing all three hats. Oh, absolutely. Got it. And then completely understand. As the as the company commercializes, those responsibilities are spread out. And the team has to grow. Right. There's not many Steve Jobs. Right. There's not many Elon Musk's. Musks. There's hardly think there are any, any Elon Musk's. Musks. <laughs> That's right there. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Let's look this up. I, I don't have my phone. When I'm we're drinking, gonna... when we're drinking uh, an adult beverage, sometimes it's a little harder. But yeah. uh, Elon Musk's got it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so it's important for all those characters to kind of play out and and take responsibility and and create value ultimately for the for the company the and for the investors hacker the hustler, the hacker the and a hustler i'm a hustler baby and, and you know when we talk about the entrepreneurial operating system which is just the way you run a company we found that once you have the visionary and the operational guy the um the integrator that having that person the same person do both really well is not highly unlikely going to happen very yeah. often so, so you, like, what do you, what do you look at? I would imagine that depending upon what stage they're in in their company would depend upon what you're looking for in that person, because they're going to wear all three hats very, very early on. They have to, nobody else is going to do it. But then when you get a little bit further, what are you kind of looking at for the management team? Well, I mean, I, it, you want to see those, those personalities play out and you want to evaluate them in the due diligence process. And so that's, that's part of the function of the due diligence. Are you process. looking for all three then in the due diligence, due diligence process? Uh, I, I, that's why I mentioned earlier that it, it depends on what stage the company yeah, okay, is in, got right? It, got so, it, got it. so you can, you can kind of go down each one of these paths and sometimes you can't, but it just depends on the stage of the company. Okay. And personally, as personal experience, personal opinion only, but if you got one person that thinks they're all three, I need to run for the hills because every almost every experience I've had there is horrible. We I like 
teams of two, right. maybe three. When you get into three and four, you end up getting one that's like, eh, I'm not really going to do this. I'm getting, you know, I got married recently. I need to go get a, a real job. I can't take this risk. And then they leave with a part of the equity of the company, the founder's equity. And now now we got to figure out, do we buy them out? Uh, they're a distraction. So I kind of like those. I like the two-person teams. Gotcha. Maybe three. Uh, but the one-person teams, which I used to get enthralled with, you know, somebody come up and wave their hands and they talk a really cool story. Oh, I want to invest in your <laughs> deal. so like, good. Yeah. And then like, and then they're like, they're horrible because they don't want any advice and they, they just, they stick to their path. Like the, the pivot is a big deal. Do you run into pivots very often? Sure, of course. <laughs> I'm setting Gosh, you up. That's a, that is a setup. There's a forecast right there. <laughs> you know, in ballroom dancing, the pivot is very important. Do you put your foot down and move directions? <laughs> Is that a toe pivot or a heel pivot? It, de- it depends. <laughs> or is it a hip pivot? Or the, ooh, ooh, it's a hipster. <laughs> yes. Ooh, the hipster. Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, so the pivot's big then, huh? Well, you know, the pivot's big because you, you kind of want to the, – the founder and company has limited resources. I agree. Right? And so if you've got limited resources, you know when, when you're going to hit the cliff of running out of money – do you stay the course or do you try to pivot into a new market that might be more adaptable to your technology or your or your platform or your – Or just a bigger or market or just or a – bigger market. Better Maybe it's idea. easier to Unserved. access. Yeah, easier to access. Yeah. Underserved or whatever. You're absolutely right. Yep. So you're looking at the hipster, the hacker, and the – What's the hustler? The hustler. And so you're looking at all three of those. But you also had a I couple – I don't know what's going on here. This is <laughs> – this feels a little weird, but it feels kind of fun. Why does it feel weird? So you're looking at the management team yeah. and, and what they actually provide. Then I forget the, the other The market. Two. We're looking at the market. Yep. So PMF. Um, usually we like the PMF. Product market fit. Pro- product market fit. Okay. Right. So Are we just doing acronyms now? Yeah. MVP? Yeah. We, I've got one for, for uh, the product, too, that we'll get into. Do it. So. How about, you know what TLA is? Uh, two ladies. I don't know. It's a three-letter acronym that means three-letter three letter acronym. acronym. <laughs> <laughs> he did this the other day. I did it too. And, before before this one, this. and he stop, doesn't remember. Stop, stop. He just doesn't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to forget anything you tell me. <laughs> TLA. But you're doing really good. Or really well. Say? Yeah. Really well. <laughs> really well. TLA is a three-letter acronym that means three-letter three acronym. acronym. Because in the computer science side of things, software side, we need acronyms out the wazoo. Uh, only to be outdone by people who work with the government. And we're not going to go there right now. Wow. Ooh. He All just right. brings up stuff, whatever mm-hmm. he feels like. I love it. Chirp, chirp. Go ahead. Chirp, chirp. Uh, market. So uh, we we like to respond to companies and CEOs and founder teams that can respond about identifying the market with a bottoms-up approach versus a top-down approach. What the heck's that mean? So we'll talk about a, a top-down approach would be um, – uh, we'll, we'll get into storytelling mode, mode here. So let's say that I've got a, um, a bowling glove. Whenever I wear the bowling glove. What the hell is a bowling glove? I'm, I'm going to bowl. A bowling glove? 300. Every time I wear Nobody, it. Nobody. What? Who? Bowl, bear with me. Okay. Sorry. So It's an imaginary land. It's an ima- oh, yeah. it's, <laughs> there goes what, the unicorn. Maybe. You know what? I wear gloves <laughs> when I do ballroom dancing. <laughs> we. <laughs> we do? Oh, oh, see? That's why I just said with your bowling. I mean... That's great. Okay, all right, let's say right, we're let's, golfing. Let's talk you about, got a golf club. Let's talk let's about... He likes bowling. Let him go with bowling. Okay, sorry. Bacon-scented dryer sheets. Would that be better? Oh, I love bacon-scented <laughs> dryer sheets. Ooh, my shorts smell like bacon. Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so if I if I wear this bowling glove, I'm going to yeah. bowl 300. Got it. 
And okay, we say, how big is the market? The, the founder says, well, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's $10 billion spent on bowling every year. How much for gloves? Exactly. And that's the follow-up question. So that would be the top-down approach would be saying, according to some big entity that does a lot of research, right. an annual spend is X. Right. And then you start to say, well, what, what does that number include? Right. Oh, there's $8 billion of it in real estate. <laughs> 1.4 billion. Well, so you're balls. talking about Tam versus Sam versus you, right. you do it. I don't know what those mean. Tam versus Sam. I you know, I'm probably the you total could do addressable it. market versus yeah, service service. What do you have access to? Attainable market. Right. Blah, 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 yeah, all right. that. Yeah. So uh, so then you start to break it down into okay, well well what's the what are the bowling shoes in that market? What are the custom bowling balls and right? What what about the jerseys and alcohol sales and all of these other items that go into that ten billion dollar market? And you figure out that there's the bottoms up approach for the avid bowler that's going to the bowling alley two or three times a week and is it's really important to him or her that they bowl three hundred each time. You know that market might actually be ten thousand people or fifty thousand people. I'm I'm pulling stuff out of the air. I don't, sure, I don't I actually it. know, but but so that's your service addressable small market or small to understand exactly pulling what's happening out of the air versus chirp chirp. Yes. <laughs> so then you got this understanding that maybe there's ten thousand people that actually like bowling gloves, and how many could they do? They got two hands, so maybe all of them buy two hands. No, 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 no. no. The ambidextrous bowler market is <laughs> way <right>. low. You're <laughs> way overestimating. Oh my gosh, you're right. Because I'm sitting there thinking of baseball, oh, you know, like trying to make it. Bigger. No, no, it's easier to get a strike if you throw two balls down there at the same time. <laughs> yep. I am not a pro bowler for God's sakes. Okay, so uh, if you were a pro bowler, we would have called you a kegler. <laughs> A kegler? <laughs> kegler is a term for bowler. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. See, I didn't even know. Oh, you so guys you, would know that if you'd ever picked up a bowling ball. So you got 10,000 possible hands, but it, yeah. maybe if they bought a second glove just because on Saturdays they want something that sparkles, I don't know. Well, and so then let's let's, so carve, that, small. let's carve that out even more. I mean, what if the bowling glove sells for $1,000? <laughs> right. What's, but if you get a 300 every time, I'd pay 10000 Wow. How many of those ten thousand bowlers have the capacity to in, in spend the ten grand to spend ten grand? Well, are they angel investors? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? So, That's that might be one of the have they had an exit that we yet test. that was better than one X. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so top down or bottom up, and you like the bottom up. Approach. Bottoms up approach is just a little bit more detailed because then you can get a sense of what what how have they critically thought through approaching the market gotcha. and the problem that they're trying to solve. Okay, so now we got the uh, management team. We got the market. What was the third one? The product. The product. The so bowling the, glove. The the product. We we tend to when you we look at about four hundred deals a year. And you tend to categorize them into three different categories. Ooh, okay. I like this one. Wait. Listen. Oxygen. <laughs> yes. Aspirin. Yes. Jewelry. Jewelry. Oxygen. So you absolutely need it. Aspirin. I'll, I'll buy it because it solves a major pain point. Right. And Is that the oxygen? No, that's aspirin. aspirin. That's aspirin. Oh, pain point. Yeah, that makes right. sense. And we, we're staying away from like uh, opioids because those are bad. Right. Okay. <laughs> Jewelry. I'll buy it because I I want it. Right. So so, so a product like a phone, a smartphone, solves all three categories. Ah. Right. Absolutely have to have, have it. Solves I don't a pain have point, mine right and now. And you want it. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Okay. So so do you ask yourself that question? Every time? Oxygen, Absolutely. Aspirin and yeah. jewelry. 
Who, where does the value get created? Where's that value chain? When does a customer see that first value? I mean, it, it might be a product where they pay for it and they don't see value for three months. How do we know that that value is attributed to that product or that solution? And, and you know, this is a great point because if you're talking about money and investing, it doesn't matter whether it's angel, VC, stocks, bonds, or otherwise, it's it's a way of looking at and really digging into what the investment is as far as like how far can it go? Because if it's absolutely necessary, that's important. If you want it, that's really good. And if it solves a pain point, it's like if you have the trifecta, that's absolutely beautiful. But you think about we're in the arguably the longest bull market in forever. History, yeah. History. Yeah, that's forever. <laughs> so, but uh, but when we start, when we have that first little bear market come in, yep. who's going to buy jewelry? A whole bunch of the market's going to stop buying Just drop jewelry. Off. Yep. Right. They're going to go away. So if you're investing in a company, which that... is going to take four and a half years on average to exit, and you think that they might run into a little bit of a problem, and they're a jewelry company. Yep. Mm. But if they're, you know, if they're an oxygen company, everybody needs them anyway. It's like toilet paper. I was talking about toilet paper. Up or down market, you're gonna use toilet paper. I mean, I don't know about you. Do you just use your hand if like things yeah, get tired? Okay. Toilet no. paper. This is why we don't have alcohol in our. <laughs> Never mind. In we your, do in your board meetings. <laughs> Sometimes I think the board meetings might help. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But then, yeah, I got to ask yourself the question, can anybody produce toilet paper? Great. Can anybody produce toilet paper? It's like if it's a new idea or different or hard to get into. I, right. I, I get it. Highly commoditized, though. I mean, look at Highly that product, too. Yep. You know, I, that reminds me of that movie. What movie was that where it was like the guy was like uh, eight-minute abs? And he's like, oh, seven-minute abs. Seven-minute. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I've seen that. And then – but. You think about it. What if they took toilet paper and they just made it like a quarter inch narrower, the same number of sheets, but they could sell it cheaper because there's not as much on it. You could keep going. How far could you go? Well, I get into soap because your hand would probably smell bad and then you're going to have to wash your hands more often. I'm just saying. Okay. So we went through that. So you know what he told me? He goes, what? eat with the left, wipe with your right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was the Middle East, man. I hope I got it right because that would be very, very bad. You know, you told us a story about gold to lead. Can we talk sure, about that? Yeah, sure. Okay. That. that was foreshadowing. That was foreshadowing. That was the first pitch night, I think, that I ran at Vision Tech. This really? is right when I started. So what was that, back in 1987? 1980. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> Way back in the day. Gosh, you're making me feel old. <laughs> you're here a decade <laughs> less than me, two decades less than him. So let's go. Uh, so we had so there's this element of of fake it until you make it right right you know you you got to make sure that you're you've got a certain element of of uh, confidence. Guess what stage he's in? <laughs> Still faking? Still faking? <laughs> he doesn't even know how to respond to that. Well, I was just thinking, like his wife and family may watch this, and I don't want to say anything. That oh, would be, I don't think they are. Uh, they, are you going to make them watch that? Are you going to tease them? We'll okay. see. Keep going. Um, so we had a, a founder give us a pitch deck, and there was a there was a logo slide. These are all the logos that we have. Okay, all the local companies that we gotcha. that we're working with, and uh, it happened to be that w one of the investors in the room listening to the pitch was very high up and responsible for a lot of the operations at one of those logos. And so in the middle of the pitch deck, he texts his tech guy, hey, what do you know about these guys? They're, they're saying that we're working with them. <laughs> pitch deck, the presentation finishes. There's a lot of momentum. It's real exciting. 
he leaves the the pitch the pitch the guy. pitch guy leaves the the entrepreneur leaves the room and as uh, after he's left we all stick around and have a little bit of a discussion that happens afterwards okay and so he raises his hand at the end of it and says my name's so and so i represent that logo in the middle of the presentation i text my tech guy and to whether we're working whether with or not this we're new working company with we're here in the pitch for absolutely and the response was yeah he dropped off a pamphlet 2 months ago <laughs> we haven't heard from him since Oh, jeez. And all of the all of the momentum in that pitch just left the room. Because you, there's a trust issue, right? There's a trust issue. And so he's up there saying that. So gold to lead. That would be gold to lead. I mean, he had a lot of momentum leaving. Everybody was high on it until that moment. So you've probably like learned some like really cool things from looking at all these entrepreneurs and some of them, you know, are full of what is it, the hustler, you know, up there saying, "Hey, this is sure. how great it is." And then you kind of stick the uh, the pin in the bubble and it explodes. Like yeah, that's that's kind of the purpose of the due diligence, right? Is you're kind of enamored with a 20-minute pitch and and think about um you know, think about this. They, these entrepreneurs have, have practiced millions of times telling this pitch over and over, and it's a and it's a very compelling and exciting story. So, it, if you're like looking at all these like guys, if you get a hundred pitches, how many of them are you really thinking about investing in? We'll f we'll probably get through um, funding actually maybe six to eight companies a year after looking at about four hundred. So it's a very competitive 1. process. One point five, all right, percent. One point five percent. Wow. Yeah. He's a math guy. Math guy. That's ah, pretty easy. Carry the one. You know what I mean, Chisenbach. Um, <laughs> so it's it's crazy. You, you know, when people automatically think you just throw money at the wall. Hey, you know, uh, stocks. I just throw money in there. You got to do some research. You got to do some due diligence. And you guys, when you're only, you're getting rid of half of them out of the gate already, you got to be extra, extra careful. That's why we only invest in stonks. <laughs> and can you explain stonks? Because it's. Stonks are like stocks, but they only go up. They only go up. Okay. <laughs> I, I've never seen a stonk. Diamond hands. <laughs> Diamond hands. <laughs> he's, try, he's trying to be in I'm with trying the to be younger, younger crowd. I'm get the younger yeah. crowd here, but I'll tell you, you have to have diamond hands when you're angel investing because there's nowhere to sell it. Oh, that's true. So what You're are diamond hands? Until the end. What are diamond hands? You told diamond me this before, like, but I ignored like, it. You guys know that if you take a piece of coal and you put it under extreme pressure for millions of years. Millions, just not millions. like next week. Millions of millions. years. Okay. You can make a diamond. Okay. So if you do your stock, if you grip a stock so hard that you won't sell it and you hold it, that that's diamond hands. Oh, it turns into diamonds. But, your hands do. I don't know about the stock. <laughs> but you got to wait 100 million years. Diamond hands. And then <laughs> Good to you, know. if you sell it right away, as soon as it goes up like a dollar. Bad news. That's paper hands. Oh, okay. So you're just kind of not in, in it for the long haul. Got it. Okay. It's like it's like giving somebody like, I don't know, you 20 do actually, bitcoins to buy two pizzas or something. And it turns out they're worth millions of 10, dollars. 10,000. That's like, yeah, like a thousand. Diamond hands. You know, that's true because in angel investing, the failures come early. And you've got to have the wherewithal to wait for the, the good stuff that's going to be happening later down the road. And it's crazy to think about the fact that they may come back a year from now and say, hey, I need more money. And you're like, oh, man, do I throw more money at this Plan on it. When you say may come back. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you guys have more experience. Okay. I know. Actually, we just had an exit. It was a four-year investment with one round. They did one round. And what's a and round? Exit. They uh, asked for money. Invest, uh, as, a, as an investment. So They asked for money, and it's for money one time. It's a they... one time. And then a lot of times these guys come back, guys, gals, come back 
12 to 15, 18 months later and get another round, another round, another round of investment. And hopefully, you know, it's up to the right. Right. Every time the company's worth more. And so it's the growing, original investors, more sales. Right, and a lot of times that doesn't happen. But rarely you get that, you get one round goes in. And it takes off. And that was and Oscar. I think Oscar took one round of uh, uh, angel investment in his company. Uh, no, he was did two? two. He did two rounds. Two rounds. But but this company we were in for four years, one round, and then they exited, and we got a five x return. Five x. I was part of that. Years. Woo! <laughs> and, and and we invested through our fund as well. Yes, yeah, so I got that. And uh, disclosure, Ben's part of the fund. Yes, I, I'm not. But you know what? You know why he was so successful? He wasn't allowed to make the decision on what we invested in. <laughs> I, I relied upon you. That's why I'm so successful. The investment committee. Wow. I'm not even part of the investment committee. I'm uh, the accounting guy. They're uh, like, and, you're and, the accounting guy. Oh my gosh, get all my money out now. <laughs> I'm very creative. <laughs> exactly. Get my money out now. Listen, you can write off whatever. Yeah, something. I don't okay, know. IRC code. Got it. We, we've got a good accountant, KSM. Okay, KSM. Yeah. But that's funny. That's funny, though. You you guys have had some good exits already. Cap, capital efficient, though, is what Tony was going towards. And they're, they're, when you can be capital efficient, you can – that. And what does that mean, capital efficient? Capital efficient means not burning money and giving yourself salaries in, in excess of you know what the stage of the company is. And right. Choosing where to spend your, your you know investment dollars so that it creates value. Um, capital inefficient would be burning through a lot of investor capital without reaching any significant milestones. Gotcha. So you guys do a good job for due diligence. Is there any kind of like stats you can give me on what uh, Vision Tech has been doing as far as like, are they doing well? Or they have some good exits? I mean, yeah. the five well, exits. Thanks, Ben, because I'm about ready to do his annual review. And so I'd love to hear <laughs> what the hell he's been doing. <laughs> Oh, can you beep that out? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. We're uh, we're doing. I I would argue we're doing really well. I mean, last year we invested three three point one million into fifteen companies and um, three we, million fifteen companies. Got it. Yep. And uh, we returned four point three million. Wow. So returning four point three. Not return, the same companies. Not so. the same companies <laughs> and different. I you know th sure. those were invested in prior years, but. Yeah, I mean, I you know when you, when you have that kind of deal flow, and then there's a lot of syndication that happens is is probably another metric that we have. What's syndication? <clears throat> what does that mean? Syndication is when you when you participate with another investor in uh, in a round. So or a company might be group. in our investment group. So so a company might be raising a million dollars, and one group might write a two hundred fifty thousand dollars gotcha. check, and so they go out into the market of other angel investors and say, hey, jump in. The water's warm. Right. You know, here's our due diligence. This is what we've done. This is what we like about the opportunity. And you and should I, you should join us. And I think that's interesting because um, I think the key to this is that um, what was the statistic that you and I were talking about, which is if somebody is successful, the likelihood that they'll be successful again is greatly increased, right? It's about five times more likely to return investor capital. Exactly. So for you guys, you guys have been doing it since, um, was it 2014? Okay. So 2014. So you're, you're six, you're pushing seven years now. And the thing is, is you're still around. You're returning some good money. How many zeros have you gotten? One. One out of how many? Ten. So you're you're 10% and shoot, man, you know, that's six years ago. So you guys are getting better. Your due diligence is getting better. You're um, now 
amping up the actual deal flow, which is really cool. Yeah. So there are a lot of things that are going right. More money coming in. Well, I want to put out. a little asterisk on that. Okay. Because Indiana, uh, a lot of a lot of states are trying to uh, encourage people to start businesses in those states because those businesses that are successful generate a lot of jobs, create a lot of taxes for the state. Yes, please talk about this. So they've got this thing called the Venture Capital Investment Tax Credit. So people who invest in high high risk startup companies, there's a uh, the state gives you a twenty percent credit. So if I if I invest ten thousand dollars in a company, I get two thousand dollars off of my state taxes, not Correct. my federal, but my state. And so a lot of people are like, uh, ask the question. We're doing a deal. Hey, does they get the VCI tax credit in there? Nice. So you automatically get twenty percent return. So you Without, can't you can't get a zero. Yes, you can't get a so, zero. So technically, we can't get zeros if they're in the state. Now there are a lot of companies we invest in, not a lot, but several that aren't based in Indiana, so they don't qualify. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have to be an Indiana um, resident to get you have that to be credit? An Indiana resident and Indiana company. Now they're starting to make that portable, which means if you're from out of state, you it could, is portable. They did. They did make it yeah. portable. So you could sell your tax credit if you were from Illinois. And you invest in the company, you could sell it to somebody from Indiana. There's a bunch of rules around that. but So they can make it so you can get a little bit of a return, even if you're not from Indiana. But the and, Indiana resident gets most of the return. And I love talking about taxes because um, one of the true value um, components of helping people with money is all about taxes. And like you said, if you can invest 10000 and 2000 is already off the table, meaning you've already got that back because you're going to be paying your Indiana taxes no matter what. Mm-hmm. If you pay it in your salary when it comes out every uh, week or every month when you, when you take it out, th- that's just money in your pocket. And that's amazing. And the one thing, and I, you know, I don't want to say Indiana is the best state anywhere, but you look at a lot of the statistics and Indiana is very business friendly. And mm-hmm. so they offer opportunities for businesses to, to do better. And having that tax credit is a big win. So for all of our listeners, one of the things to think about is to look at the potential for credits in your state to invest in states that actually offer those things if you can actually participate in that credit. Well, and it's it's crazy because it look, look, looks like a handout to the investors. It does, sure. But we've had cases where companies have re-headquartered to Indiana. They've moved to Indiana to get the tax credit for the investors, but now everything here is they're paying taxes in Indiana on all the payroll and everything that's going on. You and I talk about that big uh, billboard coming out of Chicago to oh, yeah. Indiana, and it says, are you Illinoid? Are you annoyed, but <laughs> Illinoid, right? Because a lot of people are moving out of Illinois because it's actually, if you look at the the uh, statistics that it, it's not a very good place to to be hmm. doing business if you're looking across the United States. So that's very cool. So what are the kind of crazy stories you got? You got anything else to share with us as far as because gosh, where where do we start, Tony? What's at the top of your head? I mean, I could I could get into a bunch. I mean, you got I've fifty stories. I've 50 already companies. told stories. It's your this is your show, dude. It's my show. Uh, I don't know. I I really enjoy the due diligence process. I mean, it, it's member. Um, is it learning have, about new companies that gets you excited, or is it just we haven't we haven't gotten into the process much, but um, it our our due diligence process is member driven, right? So we have a lot of investors that participate alongside me in asking questions with some some really interesting folks, and so um, one of the folks that we got to meet was a, a group that co invested and, and led the round, 
and it was Chevron Ventures. So we got to interview Chevron Ventures as part of our due diligence process and saying, what do you know about this market? Why is this? I mean, Chevron's got that little, uh, the little like uh, the oil and gas the cap, company. The yeah. little cap. It's a, it's an accent over a letter. The little, that's a Chevron, right? <laughs> You're talking about the oil behemoths. Now, are you yeah. talking about the oil behemoths? Yeah. Or not? Are yeah. you really? Yeah. Because you know, Uncle Tom, he ran um, what do you call it? Uh, transportation for yeah, Chevron for a long gonna time. We're not going to talk about uh, Uncle the, Tom. No, because he was investing in this deal. He's that's what he's talking about. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't even know when to believe you or not. Back to you, yeah. Mr. Pigeon. Yeah. So, I mean, they get they gave us they kind of third party verified on some of the claims the founder was making around the market market okay. size, what it needed, right? What, what was disruptive. We also got to ask him how did you evaluate this technology and what else is out on the market. And so they were able to give us some examples of what else was on the market that was more expensive, not giving as much positive data around the stuff that they were using the technology for. So that was really interesting. Another um, really interesting person we got to interview as part of a due diligence was uh, one of the f- co-founders of the Knot.com, David Liu. The Knot. What's the Knot? Is that the wedding? So it's a wedding planning yeah, site. Yeah, okay. So they sold for $900 million, oh I think, something like that. Gosh. I heard about that years ago. Yeah. Wow. So interviewing him and, you know, he kicks off the call with saying, hey. I'm getting married. Uh, I'm getting married. <laughs> hey, you shouldn't follow me. I'm a terrible angel investor. Is That's how he kicked it off. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then he quickly followed up with, "Well, here, here's what I like about the opportunity." And did you, did we, did we, or did you guys get involved with the knot? No, no, you didn't know you found. No, I, there was another one uh, in the due diligence phase. We found out uh, it was a, it was a, it sounded like a phenomenal opportunity. And during due diligence, we found out that the two co-founders didn't own the intellectual property. Oh no! That they were basing their whole company on. Oh no! And yep. fortunately, if, if we wouldn't have done due diligence, we just invested in it, and and all that money would have gone to somebody else. Oh no, that's yeah. like crazy. That's yeah, a good story. So do you? Do it's you, not do, a good story. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's it is. It's a good save. It's a good save. But it's like, yeah. but we did, but we spent all the time to dig into it and find that out, and it did. It cost us a lot of time because they they won our competition. You know, our screening competition went in front of our investors, and then we had to come back to investors and go, "Hey, good news, bad news." Bad news is they don't own the IP. Good news is we figured it out before you guys wrote your check. Oh, man. That's totally crazy. Mm -hmm. So do you like the whole process because it's just interesting? You get to hear about the the new things going on, the new industries, and you never saw things like that? Is that what you like about it? Yeah, I do. It's a lot. It's just fun. It's it's the practice of critical thinking. The practice of critical thinking. All right. So, Tony, you're out, right? (laughs) I don't even understand the question. I could see. Exactly. So I could see how that would be interesting. Like if you're somebody that... uh, um, loves to learn new things yeah. and, um, you know, looking at problems differently, completely differently. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, when we went to, when you invited me to the pitch nights, you're just sitting there going, who the heck thought up of this thing? You know, thought this thing up. I remember, what was it? The diesel engine where they could save like 40 million gallons of diesel a year with this little thing they put on the engine. I'm like, what the heck? That's awesome. How about a little device that makes the ureter dance so that you don't accidentally cut it? Yeah. What's a ureter? Exactly. Yeah. And what is a ureter? Can you explain The ureter goes from your uh, kidney to your bladder when they're filtering all the stuff out. And apparently when they're doing abdominal surgeries- Laparoscopically. Laparoscopy or other, if you cut that thing, it's bad. Really? Like you got to you got to call in a specialist. It's a complicated surgery to put it back together. 
hospitals, uh, lawsuits, blah, blah, blah. They, they, this, this guy came up with a way that you put a little electrostimulation, blink, and it makes it dance. And then the doctor's like, oh, stay away from that. No way. Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. That they, I do they have like. a beautiful business model. Make great, money. Great founder. It's so slick. If really? only Kobe, my son, would have come up with that instead of arc welding my damn grill, he'd have figured out how to stimulate the ureter. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> he like arc welded the grill. I forget, but yeah, the ureter. I've my ureter itches, you know, right now. So <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> but there are so many of these, and if you guys are doing four hundred, oh, by the way, he's got a teeny little bladder. <laughs> he got a teeny little ureter. So, you know, when you have four hundred like that, you see come through. Yeah. You know, quite a few of them have to be a decent idea, right? It, yeah. It, it doesn't necessarily match all the management and the industry and all that stuff, but they're conceptually interesting because didn't we hear the one about Purdue where they were flying over these remote control planes where I can't remember. Yeah, to check the power lines. Check the power lines? Oh, because yeah. it was taking so long to do manually. Manual inspections. That they, yeah. the drones were going to make it so they could do like five times as much. Mm-hmm. We saw that up at Launch Fishers. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that one is cool. But I thought there was something about crops, too. It's like they, they fly these remote control planes over the crops and they could see. Oh, the see. Purdue, Purdue had another one where they had sensors in the ground to check water? all kinds of status on the water and humidity and all that for wine growing, for yeah. grapes to get. Ah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, they're, I think they're still going. Think, Vincense. Vincense, yeah. Yeah, I think they're still yeah. going. I think they've raised some rounds. Yeah. We've, we saw them early on. That was a professor and uh, some students. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, though, is that you, you look at the world so differently once you're exposed to four to six hundred of them a year, and yeah. you're just seeing all these really neat things that are going on. Yeah, Resonato is another one, the speaker technology company that we've got. You know, the, the Resonato. Tr- Resonato, yeah. What 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 does that do? Speaker. So it's a speaker technology company that that converts the so the traditional speaker design is conical and it's got a magnet on one side and it's it's, it's maybe round. oh the speaker it's, it so it's like round. <laughs> I didn't know what, what speaker he's talking about. I was like someone who's talking or you're talking about yes. the box. Sorry, yes. that actually put, the produces, that, the that produces the sound. Is yeah, the yeah, speaker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's conical and what? what so no, it takes no, no, up a lot tra- of space. Traditional one takes up a lot of space. Yeah, they have a flat technology speaker that that kind of compresses all the speaker that you need into maybe 60% of the original depth. Dude, that's think, crazy. Think about speakers in cars and they put a cool sound system in. It takes up all the space in the doors and the dash. Yeah. And they could crunch that all down. Dude, that's crazy, man. And then multiply that by how many cars, Teslas or, or other that they might be... Yeah, and we got a another one that's really interesting is a, a flexible battery company that we invested in. What's a flexible battery? So they can they can produce a, a battery that uh, you might wear or put in an IoT device, and and it kind of enables disposable computing. Oh my gosh! And the oh. company that started they, they created a Henway. What's a Henway? About two pounds. <laughs> You totally, I'm sitting here taking you serious, and you just like, what's a cow say? What's a cow say? Yeah, got it. Okay. So, but all this technology, (laughs) but all this technology is pretty cool. If you ignore my brother-in-law, which I am, I don't know. Can you get a divorce from your (laughs) brother-in-law? Well, just talk to your sister. (laughs) Okay, I will. But don't talk to her too much. I don't want you to convince her. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. But there's got to be so many super cool ideas that are out there. And um, every time I go, I just kind of get... 
what, what's the right word? Um, reinvigorated by the amount of creativity that's out there and for things to come solving highly complex sometimes, sometimes incredibly simple um, ways to just resolve an issue. And I think that's so cool. Yep. But um, I know we're, we're pretty far along and um, wow. We um we had some good coverage. Is there anything you want to say before you check check out and say goodbye? No, you know, hey, check us out on visiontech-partners.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Visiontech-partners.com. Um, yep. And um, if anybody's interested in investing, you can go to the website and probably contact you, yep. Ben Pigeon, and um, you'll help them figure out how to invest in different companies or get them hooked up on hearing some of the pitches or some other items that are available to you. And it's pretty cool. You guys are doing some great work. I'm really happy to be involved with you. Tony, is there anything you'd like to say before we say goodbye? Well, and if you need to know... Uh, any of the dance moves that Ben's learned over the last 20 years? <laughs> I don't know the difference between a tango and a rumba. I don't either. It's, it's good choreography to figure out how to get into angel investing. Ooh, he ah, just tied it. you see what he did there? Tied it together. Connected it. He did. Connected I like it. that. They say that you have to be pretty smart to be able to do that, but uh, I'm having my doubts now. Anyway, uh, Ben Pigeon, <laughs> thanks for being here. <laughs> we really enjoyed it. We'll have this thing up and going. And um, All right. Well, can't wait to uh, talk to you again about some of the updates. Thanks, man. We're going to wave goodbye. See ya. Bye. Goodbye.